1: New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to
2: go. Touchdown. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold, the most important episode of the year, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. As always, my name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. Joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, and one of my favorite guys on the planet, Eric frickin' Crocker. Dude, how are you feeling?
3: A <sighs> couple more days, man. <laughs> I, was anxious. I was anxious two days ago, but it's kicking in the overdrive now yeah i'm i'm ready for some point, yeah
2: man we're there we are. i mean i guess we're nearly there i can't say we're man. there yet but bi- you know we're right week is killing me i know man it's been a, it's felt like forever you know and, and the, the worst part about it is is it's just there's so many you know you've heard every different every single opinion you could possibly hear and every different storyline and every different, you know, there's, you've just heard so many different angles of this game. And at this point, it's almost like, all right, let's just get this over with. You know, like, let's just let's just play the damn game so we can find out who was wrong, who was right, and, you know, whatever. Uh, so it's it's just been crazy. Um, but while I've got it in my head, I can't remember who it was, and I really should have known, should have taken note on who it was. You might be able to, to jump on me here. Um... One of the guys who predicted today that the 49ers would win, his his reasoning was he felt the, the 49ers were going to be in much better like physical shape than the chiefs. I don't remember who who wrote about it. I wish I did because I feel like talking about it not crediting him is is wrong. but he referenced the fact that apparently the chiefs run like a really rigorous practice with like a lot of pads and a lot of hitting whereas the 49ers have like one of the shortest practices in the league and they do like the least amount of hitting out of any NFL team yet on the field. They, they're pretty physical. And so he just, his reasoning was he felt like the the difference in health and like, like vigor along the defensive and offensive fronts was going to be like pretty noticeable. And I thought that was a pretty interesting way of, of phrasing it. And this was a writer who'd obviously done his homework. I mean, I, I'm, he was somebody who, you know, obviously it wasn't just written by any old Joe Schmo. I, I just, like I said, I can't remember his name, but I thought that was a really interesting kind of spin on why the 49ers could have a, a more successful game than people are getting them credit for. It's just a sheer fact that they're a healthy team that, that hasn't been beating themselves up all year. I thought I thought that was pretty interesting.
3: I I think... I think, yeah, I I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make. Um, from everything I've kind of read, both, the, both of these teams are, you know, fairly healthy with their guys that are going to be active. Um, so uh, vigorous practice. I mean, yeah, I, I could see that, but I, I can't see, you know, especially with two weeks to prepare, that really being an issue. And it hasn't been an issue for, the Chiefs in previous games where they fell behind and still <laughs> dropped fifty one. Um, yeah, you know, so yeah, I, I don't think fatigue um will be an issue for them at all.
2: I wouldn't I wouldn't normally either. I just I thought it was an interesting interesting spin on things and 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 one thing he included was D Ford's comments about how demanding Chiefs' practices were in comparison to Forty ers practices and the fact that he felt like he didn't need a practice to teach him how to hit that, you know, that, that sort of thing. So I thought that was interesting. But anyways, I've already spoken too much. Um, this episode was is is meant to be about you guys. We felt like it would the best thing we could do um, just a few days before the Super Bowl is open the podcast up for questions. We've done this a couple of times this year, uh, you know, throughout the season. And, and we just felt like that would be the best route to go. Um, on like just a few days for the Super Bowl, see what you guys are thinking, see what you're asking. Uh, we got a ton of questions. I think we're we're probably around 50. So we're not going to be able to spend a huge amount of time on questions, like no more than like 30 seconds type of deal, um, just so we can get to everybody's because I'd rather get to everybody's and, and, and give a shorter answer than only get to a few of you and we you know talk like we know we can talk. So um, we're going to jump right into it. And I'm just scrolling through these on Twitter. I'm just going to kind of say – you know your your name, all that stuff. So we'll just do the quickest thing we can do, and, and like I said, we'll give you our honest thoughts and kind of where we're feeling about this about the big game, and and see what we do. So let's let's jump in here. Let me and neither Croc nor I have like gone through these and filtered them or or pre you know pre rehearsed our answers or any of that. So you're going to hear our genuine and honest thoughts as we as we roll through this. So all right, so Joey asks, do you think we are about to witness a defensive game? As we did when you saw Peyton Manning led Broncos get smashed by the Seahawks. I think that was like three or four years ago, and I think there it might even be longer than that now, five or five years ago, when the Seahawks won like forty something to like seven or, or something ridiculous. Yeah. So, what do you think?
3: Twenty thirteen season that was a twenty thirteen season. Uh, two thousand the Super Bowl was played in two thousand fourteen. Right. Yeah. 2015
2: That was the one. That was the game after Richard Sherman tipped the the pass to Crabtree, right?
3: Mm-hmm. So six years ago um, from this week.
2: All right. Well, what do you think, ben?
3: Um, You know, the Super Bowls, they typically do go the opposite of what you think, right? I mean, if you go back the last couple of years, the Eagles against the Patriots, you're like, oh, this is going to be a defensive game. And then it's a shootout. And then last year it's like, oh, this is going to be an offensive explosion with the Rams and the Patriots. And then it's like three to three in the fourth quarter. So um, everybody's predicting it like super high score, then like watch it be like the complete opposite. And it's just like, damn, it's a stalemate, which is really hard to see that being the case, especially with both of these two offenses that are really explosive. But I don't know, they just have a way of just being the opposite of whatever you think is going to be. Even the 2012 Super Bowl, right when the Niners played the Ravens, like they're two just great defensive teams, and final score is like 34 31.
2: Right, right. So I agree with you, man. I, I mean, I'm not going to say it would be like that, but it wouldn't be surprising if it was like that, especially when you've got one, one team with the, with a really, really strong defense. You know, if that if that defense is able to get going and get out after Mahomes and stuff, then you could see something like that. But I, I don't think that'll be the case. I think both of these offensive has offenses have proven to be too good to just be shut down. You know as much as the, the Broncos were in that game. So I think it'll be much more high scoring. I wouldn't be surprised if the team that wins and the team that loses is both in the 30s. So you know, that's that's just what I'm expecting. Um, what are you most... So we got Zach asks, Zach Greer. what are you most worried about in the upcoming game? Um, I'm assuming you means like worried as far as the 49ers go and what I worry be worried about for them. Um, I'd probably say just a, you know, a, a kind of a snowball rolling out of control type of deal where the offense is sputtering and the deep and, and the defense are sputtering simultaneously. So usually throughout the season, it's been one or the other. Um, and then late in the season, it became both firing on all cylinders type of deal. Um, but I, I would be worried that the 49ers, you know, go down. And, and they've done this a couple times throughout the season. Is you know the defense gets scored on twice quickly, and the offense has two short drives, and all of a sudden it's fourteen to zero, or you know, or you know, even worse. So, so if I'm talking about worried, I would just be worried about the forty ers kind of losing a little bit of control early, and then having to to kind of play out of that their comfort zone for the rest of the game. What do you think, dude?
3: Um, I, I think just Mahomes getting the big player early on, you know. Um, I think as long as the 49ers do a good job of keeping it in check, especially early and not often, um, you know, they're fine, but that's the one thing I worry about just like out the gate, you know, they get a big play and then now everybody's like, oh, here we go. You know, like that, that's the one thing I'm, I guess if I was worried about anything, um, it would be that just, you know, they have that big play ability 49 and been really good against the big play, but you know, just something like that happening where it's just like somebody trips and falls and it's like, oh man. Kind of like what we saw against the Vikings when Witherspoon failed. It was like, oh, here we go, you know. Um, so yeah, just something like right. that happening.
2: Right, I agree. It's just something that, something that, to, to and, and I feel like this team is really resilient and they don't really let stuff like that get to them, type of deal. But you don't, you don't want anybody to, to have to feel like things are getting out of control early. Um, so Zulu Warrior, why do you think the 49ers' offensive strength is so quickly forgotten about? by analysts and then he he take a look at nfl.com predictions and i i went through them really quickly um and a lot of them i, I, I mean it seemed kind of like 50 50 maybe like 60 40 chiefs as far as predictions go but a, lo- a lot of them had a, a had it being a pretty fairly low scheme on the 49 low scoring game um for on the 49ers side you know like 21 24 points um against the defense that although it's turned it up second half of the season i don't think i think the 49ers are going to be able to score uh pretty frequently against them so and we me and crocker i agree me and crocker have talked about this like the 49ers offense from a from a season's perspective has been better than the chiefs the, the about the chiefs average like 28 points per game the 49ers average 30 points per game which doesn't seem like a, a big difference but over the course of a season when you build up those averages it is i think it's the difference between like second overall and fifth or sixth overall type of deal something something along those lines but um, I don't know why I think because the 49ers offense is not as splashy as the chiefs and they don't have a quarterback as flashy as Mahomes That's making these crazy plays that are super memorable, memorable, and they'll get seared into your memory. And you know, Jimmy G is not running in any 30 yard touchdowns against the, the Titans defense, you know, stuff like that. So the, the, and the chiefs offense rightfully so demands that type of respect, but I, I just, I haven't been able to wrap my mind about people forgetting the fact the 49ers offense throughout the season has been better. And, uh, you know, it's it's just weird. I, I honestly couldn't tell you why it's being ignored, but my best explanation is that they just don't make plays that are as crazy as the Chiefs do. They just march right down the field and score. So what do you think, man?
3: Yeah, no, I agree with the last statement that you made. I, th- I think it's just all on um, what people think that the offenses, offense is supposed to look like in today's era, and the 49ers kind of are like the opposite of that. So it's just not like sexy. Um, and it's not one thing that's doing it, right? I mean, it's like they they're like super balanced compared to like say like the Baltimore Ravens. So yeah, I just think it's just not like the sexy thing. So people just talk about it, but it's like super consistent. So
4: yeah.
2: Right. All right. So yeah, I mean that that's my take. So all right, Eris, he says, What do you think about this? And it's a tweet from Warren Sharp saying the 49ers use cover three or cover four on 70% of early down dropbacks. How does Mahomes do against cover three or how about cover four? How about number one and number one? So they're saying Mahomes is the best in the NFL against the type of defense that the 49ers are going to be running. So, And and in both of them, if I click on it, um, they are quite a bit better than everybody else. It's kind of like a graph where some of it goes down for the bad teams some of it goes up for the good teams um so they're saying Mahomes is far and away the best or the best in the chiefs offense is the best against this uh the, the 49ers type of defense so what do you think Croc? i'll let you i'll let you quarterback this one since it's a little bit more your wheelhouse
3: yeah i, I mean i just think you know if if there's a, if there's stats out there like that i'm pretty sure the 49ers have an analytical team that you know knows things like that so if I had to guess, I would say that the 49 would do little different things to kind of disguise what they're doing and what they're in. And sometimes they line up in it and make Mahomes think they're going to check out of it and they stay in it. Or sometimes they line up and show something different and they get into what they want to do. And Sometimes they just do something completely different. So I think the biggest thing is just to kind of mix up your looks, um, pre-snap and just don't line up and give him a look. Because I remember back when uh, Seattle was you know, really good running this game I think they just lined up in it. And it was like, well, you just can't beat it. You guys don't even know what you're looking at. Um, now teams are more familiar with it. You know, it's not just a pure, like, cover three. Um, there's a lot of match rules and things like that, too. So, um, yeah, you know, it's – so so when people say, like, oh, cover three, it, it's not as black and white as that. I, I think uh, people think, like, sky cover three. and That's not really what it is. Like, if you look at 49ers, most of the time their outside corners are pressed up because they, like, have to defend an entire third. And if uh, your slot gets, like, a vertical um, push by number two out, like, he has to carry that. So it's not just your, like, typical sky cover three that you see the 49ers in a lot. So, um, yeah. I, but even then, I mean, just in the general sense, I think they'll mix up their looks. So it's not – so uh Mahomes just doesn't know exactly what they're in, And that's what they've done a lot this year. They've shown cover one, and then you see the safeties bail out and end up running like a cover six or a cover, you know, they've they shown different things and kind of bailed out last second. So, yeah, I think they just mix up their looks.
2: Well, and I think they're really going to realize too that mixing up their looks and, and changes post-snap or, or at least right as the ball's about to be snapped uh, is probably going to be one of their best recipes for success because it's going to create a little bit of un- uncertainty and all they want Patrick Mahomes to do is hesitate a little bit you know, and, and get him to wait just a little bit longer than he normally would. And that's when their pass rush gets home. So it's I, – I I would think that and, – and given Patrick Mahomes is a little younger, uh, I think that maybe the switching up the looks is probably something they're going to do pretty frequently. And one of the things the 49ers are inevitably going to do is go back throughout the season and look at all the defenses that had the most success against the Chiefs offense. And they're going to try and adapt those con- – obviously, you're not going to completely flip your defense on its head because then you're setting a bunch of players up for failure that, that haven't been – running those you know taking those reps but um they're gonna figure out what they can do to as closely mirror other defenses that is that have done well against the Chiefs and and try and implement those so um you know it's it's not gonna be just like Crocker said it's not gonna be just this plain cover three you know cover four type of thing it's you know it'll be interesting to see that that chess game but that's that's football so um all right, so Doug funny. what do you think are the chances of Emmanuel Sanders being the Super Bowl MVP, even though he hasn't had a big game in several weeks? You know, I, I, it's tough to say the chances. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to throw a percent percentage on those and just say, you know, Emmanuel Sanders has a 20% chance or whatever. But it wouldn't surprise me given the stage and the fact that, that maybe offenses may have started to turn their attention more towards Debo Samuel than they have Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, when Emmanuel Sanders first showed up, I would say it was probably flip-flop, but Debo Samuel has been dominating games and has been one of the most impactful players, whether it's running or catching the football. So it wouldn't surprise me if Emmanuel Sanders was given a little less attention. And and in that moment, in that stage where Jimmy Garoppolo knows that Emmanuel Sanders has been there and done that in the Super Bowl, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he was somebody that that Garoppolo threw too often and really kind of built up a case.
3: Yeah, Debo, man, I'm... I'm really happy with what I've seen from him so far, man. I think he's clearing away like 49ers wide receiver one, and yeah, I think he'll get a book of the targets, you know, as, at least from you know receiver perspective, and just continue to get the ball in his hands. Yeah, I think yeah he can, yeah, he can definitely do some things uh, this game.
2: Right, and and you know if we'll see if if, if defenses. Is- give Emmanuel Sanders or Debo Samuel more attention. So Austin says, obviously the faithful is worried about stopping Patrick Mahomes and to a lesser extent, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. But what about the chiefs or who on the chiefs might we 49ers fans be overlooking? What do you think Croc? Who on the offense is, do you think is being overlooked? I mean, I could tell you one guy who's not even mentioned in that tweet and that, you know, if you're talking about the offense, I'd say it's Sammy Watkins because you've got, You've got like a wide receiver two who could have been a wide receiver one, you know, if maybe things had gone a little different that in that offense is like a wide receiver three because Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are one and two, um, uh, you know, there's, there's somebody that might be getting overlooked right there. And I just took a look of the Chiefs at the Chiefs postseason stats the last time we were recording a podcast and Sammy Watkins is a leading wide receiver right now. And I say wide receiver because Travis Kelsey's is leading in, in catches and I think he's behind Sammy Watkins in yards. Um, so that's my answer. That'd be Sammy Watkins because, you know, you can you can really hone in on, on two powerful dudes. But sometimes that third guy has a tendency to go off because it's harder to to allocate resources towards him. But what do you think, Ben?
3: Yeah. And was it just offense or offense and defense?
2: Just, I mean, it it doesn't – it talks about the offense. I don't think it's – it doesn't say – it just says, but what about what about the Chiefs? It just says Chiefs. So, if you want to go defense, you go defense.
3: Yeah, I think Tyron Matthew. Um, I mean, I've heard people, you know, mention him a little bit, man. Like, I I don't think people truly understand, like, how good this dude is. Like, he's really good. And he's a difference maker. And, you know, I think just their – you know, some of the guys that they have on defense in general, everyone talks about their offense – but they do have a few special players. And um, Tyra Matthew, he's, like, the guy. Like, Clark is cool, and he can impact the game, and he can get there. But Honey Badger, you have to know where he's at on every play. And the Swanson guy is not too bad either. But, I mean, he's not, like, game changer or anything like that, like, consistently throughout the year. And, you know, obviously anybody can have a good game. But um, Honey Badger, man, that I, I don't know if he's, like, overrated. I mean, underrated or overlooked, but that, that would be my guy where it's just, like, his impact, man, can just be so huge defensively.
2: Right. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. That's for sure. Um, all right. G. His name is G or is at living 49er legend. Shoot, man. Talking to a 49er legend. Um, with Coleman's status uncertain, I'm thinking it's the Super Bowl. He will play. Yeah, he's going to play. They're expecting him to play. Um, but do you think him not being 100%, we will see Brita get more touches or ride with a hot hand like we've been? Uh they're going to go with Raheem Mostert almost the whole game, and and I think that they would rather give the ball to a uh, a, a, a Tevin Coleman that's not 100 percent than give it to Breida, who is obviously such a talented running back. At one time was you know seemed like far and away the 49ers' best running back, but he, he every he's had limited touches over the last like half of the season because Raheem Mostert slowly started to, to claw his way to the top, and he's had like three or four fumbles. So, I don't know if they're going to want to give it to him in the Super Bowl. What do you think, man?
3: Yeah. now nah, Brady, man, <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed. I know I've said that on here before, but I, I was expecting a lot out of him. Um, and he just hasn't answered the bell. But there's just so much potential, man. But now there's still also potential. Like you said, you brought up the fumbles. There's potential for that, too. So, um, I think most is definitely going to get a bulk of the carries, they, but they might come out and and do more power stuff with Coleman. I mean, and that's what they like to do. They like to run Coleman inside the tackles. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I know I'm not helping too much right now answering this question.
4: But separate no, right. shoulder thing
3: is kind of weird. Like I, I played with one before they put a shoulder shoulder harness on me to where it kind of limited my uh my range of motion, so I couldn't like reach over my head. And if they do something like that with him, that kind of gives it away. That's probably not a pass. So yeah, I think they go more with uh most of just off the strength of he gives them more uh versatility in the right Man passing game.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And just he's just been too good to, to do anything else with. So I don't even know how to say this. Dawood Bay. I don't know. Sorry, man. But what's up, Rob? What's up, Croc? Best podcast going, hands down. I appreciate you. That's a nice thing for you to say. Um, With the Chiefs pass-heavy offense, I expect the 49ers to be a nickel a lot. So what are your thoughts on Williams having a great game? What do you think, Croc?
3: Yeah, I I mean, I I love Kwon Williams and the way he plays. Um, I think he's been the most consistent 49ers defensive back over the last uh, couple of seasons, really kind of since he's shown up. Um the only thing that's kind of a little, he struggles a bit downfield and they don't ask him to do a whole lot of covering downfield because he plays a lot of um, in kind of the cover three, even when it's like cover three, but he still kind of buzzes more like to the flats. Um, So he's not asked to cover downfield a lot, but when he has in recent years, I'm thinking like Sterling Shepard and there's some other times where he was asked to kind of really play man on guys running vertical. He's not, as good so that that's one thing that kind of worries me especially when you're playing a team like this that's extremely fast um i would almost be like man just play play jimmy ward in that spot because he runs with guys well downfield but um williams very well can you know just be like man you know he's good he's good so we just need to make make a couple plays but yeah that's the only thing that kind of worries me a little bit his downfield coverage
2: all right so ryan Um, wants to know who will be the surprise hero and villain of the Super Bowl. How do you be, what do you think he means by villain? Like somebody that had a bad game and and it's like a, like Kyle Williams type of deal. Like where people like hone in on him as like the reason they didn't win or something. I'm not sure what he means when it means villain, but who will be the surprise hero villain? Somebody surprising. Um, if I, I mean, it wouldn't be a huge surprise to anybody who's been watching the 49ers, but I'd have to go with, if I'm going to go offensive side, uh, I'm going to go with Kendrick Bourne for the hero. I mean, the dude's like been one of Jim Garoppolo's favorite red zone targets. And like we talked about earlier with people honing in on Debo and maybe Emmanuel and Kittle, you know, maybe, maybe uh, uh, Kendrick Bourne starts eating in the big game. As far as villain goes, I I don't really know what to say for that. Like somebody who could – cost us a game i mean if you're looking for a quick answer it'd be jimmy g obviously he's shown a tendency to throw some crazy throws and some what the hell throws and and some weird picks so if you know if somebody was going to be the villain which like i said it's it's kind of a weird term um I, I guess you could say jimmy g has the the strongest chance of being that i don't i don't think that's the game he has but you know what do you think you got any uh, you got any other answers lined up there
3: um like Maybe he is he talking about for the forty ers or just in general uh, it I guess, says
2: in general i you know I
3: don't. in general I think I'd have to go back to tyra matthew right you you wouldn't talk about a villain a villain is somebody that typically is on the other side and kind of makes your day a little rougher right so right. um yeah I, I would, you know like a pain in the ass right that's on the other side <laughs> So, you know if we're if we're talking that I, I would definitely say tyron matthew man or frank clark i mean he's been playing the villain role very you know pretty well all year i mean all uh all you know all week so um frank clark definitely can be you know that villain, right that we're just like ah can't stand this dude (laughs) you know
2: right he's already there
3: yeah you get a couple of sacks or something like that you know i'm not gonna want to hear his mouth after the game if they win yeah him
2: Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a better answer than me as far as villain goes. I was thinking more of like, you know, somebody who cost the the team the game and, and that's I guess it's a different way of look yours yours is a better way of looking at it. So Alright, Layton, who does this game mean more to? Andy Reid to finally win a Super Bowl or Shanahan to put the Atlanta Super Bowl game behind him and the Niners winning that sixth Super Bowl? Uh, I mean it's gonna mean an uh, in, insanely amount to both these guys. It's they they both want to win it, probably you know more than they're they're willing to admit. But I mean, if you are looking at it that way, I'd probably say Andy Reid, just because he's been in the league for so long, he's been on so many good teams that have never managed to get it done. Sometimes with him being at fault, you know, I know he's got a he's got a sterling reputation for clock management and all that stuff. So, you know, if you, if you really tried to break it down, I'd probably say Andy Reid. But it's to say, like I said, there is this is everything to both these guys. And I think that, you know, if you're looking at it from a 49ers perspective, Kyle Shanahan would like nothing more than to come to a team that was whatever was two and 14 when he got here uh, with one of the worst rosters in the NFL, if not the worst. And to come in and get a Super Bowl in the third year, like that's crazy. And, you know, they would already be able to like say, "Okay, we did it. Now let's just sustain it. So, you know, it, it means a lot to both of them.
3: Yeah, I mean anybody that's compared to this game is going to mean everything to them. Um, I'd say as far as like legacy goes, definitely um, Andy Reid. I mean, like you said, he's been coaching for so long. Um, it's been what 15 years or whatever since he's been in the in the Super Bowl. Um, he went what four straight years to the NFC Championship, yeah, NFC Championship game, and wasn't able to win. He hasn't been able to win that big game. So I think just in he probably. I mean, he could very well be, uh, I, will, I don't want to say content with what his career has been. I think even if he doesn't win the Super Bowl, people probably look at him as a high level, you know, Hall of Fame coach. But it has to mean, a lot, like, it, it would be devastating if he lost this game. I think that's a better way to look, look at it. Who would this be more devastating to? And I think it would be more devastating for Andy Reid. Right. Because of the reasons we, we, we mentioned, where. Kyle Shanahan is like, well, all right, guys, let's gear up to come back next year. He's like, I'm 40 years old, you know. Andy Reid's like hella old. He he's, you know, hasn't been here in a really long time. He has that knock on him that he can't win a big game. It, it, and it's not a knock like a one- or two-year thing. It's been like 20 years. So um, definitely I, I, I think uh, it, it would be more devastating if if uh, Andy Reid takes, takes the nail.
2: Right, and and what I've liked about this Super Bowl matchup is, is Andy Reid isn't somebody who, at least in my opinion, anybody could really remotely hate. Like he's just seems like a good dude who's been doing it for a long time. And you know, it's it, if he wins it, then good on him, man. He, he's obviously he's gone through the ups and downs of a career, you know, that's worth winning a Super Bowl. So, but yeah, it's it's always good to talk about stuff like that, you know, and, and comparing the the two people vying for it. But Josh. All the media people this week wants to know how great Mahomes are and this defense, but and they, all, I'm slaughtering this question. All the media people this week are talking about how great Mahomes and the offense are, but what is their weakness offensively? Uh, well, they're definitely not a great running team. Um, that's they can do it, but they're they're like one of the uh, bottom third teams in rushing. They average less than 100 yards a game, which is like if you compare it to the 49ers who are probably, you know, well into the hundreds, that's, that's crazy, uh, compared to them, they're the 23rd ring rushing. To, so that's, that's a big weakness, but when your passing offense is that good, you know, it's tough to, to fault the offense as a whole. And the other thing I would say is if you can kind of start knocking them off their spot to where things aren't as easily, easily accessed, you know, and, and with these splash plays, yeah if those don't go your way and and they don't work out then all of a sudden you're getting a lot of three and outs and you're not on the field very long and stuff like that so running the ball is just a really essential element to an offense and, and it's just uh you know if the defense is doing a good job of of shutting down your pass game and you can't run the ball it's it's going to it's going to spin out of hand pretty quickly
3: yeah um the one thing i noticed from them is they have a knack of like dropping passes and saw it early in the was it, the Houston Texas game. They dropped a ton of uh, passes early on. Um, saw a couple last game, and I also was, went back and I watched like the Patriots game. They dropped some balls in that game. So I'm not gonna you know sit here and act like I've watched every game that they've played all year. But there were games, the games that I did watch, I think that was one thing that kind of stood out to me. Where it's like, man, this team, they will drop the ball. You know, so that's one thing I think um, might be a weakness for them, you know, especially for a team that throws the ball so much and and really leans on that.
2: Okay. So we got Cali boy in Kansas. Oh, good luck out there, bro. Uh, Do you see the chiefs using the read option against the Niners? Uh, No, not really. I mean, it's just not, it hasn't been their, their, their strength throughout the season. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, I would not want to open my quarterback up to any more hits than, than they had to. It's, it, I guess they could, Mahomes can move. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like, like that would be my go-to option when I have an offense like that is to kind of throw at something that you haven't been doing super, super well, uh, throughout the season. And, and I don't really have any stats or anything to back that up. That's just not what the chiefs offense is known for. Um, but you know, Patrick Mahomes has done his fair share of running and obviously stunned it on the, on the Titans a little bit. So, uh, what do you think, man? Any, is that something that that you
3: seen was it uh, re- re- a yeah.
2: do you see them using it at all
3: well they they did it the first two plays against the Tennessee Titans right so that might be something that they they implement to kind of keep the 49ers um edge rushers honest uh you know early on and maybe have them you know the 49ers uh edge rushers like slow play the run a little bit uh, just with the threat of him to keep it, yeah, they—they, I, they, I mean, the the first two plays they did it. Now I don't know how much they did it for the rest of the game, but I know they definitely did two plays. So it right. is something that they could do, not to the extent of of a Baltimore or even um, you know the the uh, Seattle Seahawks when you know they did all those years with Russell Wilson. But um, it is a little wrinkle that they threw in there.
2: Right and it's just it's to me it, it, it just opens up the opportunity for the 49ers to get free shots on Mahomes and and he'll run it on his own and he can run it but he's not nearly the type of runner that like you mentioned Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson and it's just they might be able to they might use it for you know to to, to pick up short first downs but to me I I'd be totally willing to swing for the fences through the air rather than try and get Mahomes running any more than he has to cuz the last thing they want is him taking a huge lick and and who knows um and I'm not. I'm. I've also seen people mention his health still, and, and whether or not his, you know. But I mean, if you're running for 30 yard touchdowns against the Titans, obviously your legs are working pretty well. So, I'm not. I'm not willing to really explore that too much. But we'll see. Um. Uh, this one would probably be more along your wheelhouse, Crocker. But uh, have you seen the Chiefs struggle with cover three scheme, which we kind of talked about earlier? They're one of the best teams against it. But I don't know, man. You seen anything?
3: Nah, I haven't seen anything. I've seen them, uh, who was it, Tariq Hill. But I think that was man coverage. He just beat a guy up the seam, and he beat the guy so bad up the seam, it looked like maybe it was like a, a cover three zone and, a, and the corner didn't get a good two-to-one read. But I think it was just man, and the, the slot guy just got beat really bad. So I think that was last week, I think. Or not last week, but, you know, last game.
2: When you say two-on read, are you, referring, are you like talking about reading the second receiver and then working to the one?
3: Right. Right, right, right. Okay. Your, your eyes on two to start off, like so. Basically, right. like okay. in the uh, uh, cover three, um, you know, a cornerback has an entire third. Right, cover three. That's the, the field is split up into thirds. So you have to look at who are the threats to who are the guys that can threaten my third. So if you have two guys, you know, on um, in your third, you have to read both of those guys. But but you want to read uh, inside out because you're more you're you're more likely to get, you know, if you're just outside J, you're more likely to be able to cover um, number one if he runs vertical. But if number two runs vertical, you'll never get to that seam route. So you really kind of want to split the difference with how you play. You can start off outside and, like, bail to where you're kind of splitting the two guys. So if one does anything like a five-yard stop or anything shallow that's not deep in your third, you're in a better position to play the seam route uh, by number two. Um, a, A good example of this, you might remember this play. It was a few years ago. Um I want to say maybe Shanahan's first year the 49ers lost to the Cardinals don't don't ask me why I always remember these random, uh things but um the 49ers lost to the Cardinals Larry Fitzgerald caught the game winning touchdown in overtime Do you remember that
2: Yeah yeah I, I yeah I remember that
3: Um well it was cover 3 Rashard Robinson was to um that side his receiver ran a five-yard stop. Fitzgerald continued up the seam, probably knowing, like, hey, they're going to be in cover three right now. So he ran up the seam. um, And Rashard Robinson, who was too far outside, shaded more towards number one, he got there right as Fitzgerald was catching the ball and the game was over. Now, if he would have played a little bit more um, divide rules, then he would have been in a great position to take away the seam route by Fitzgerald. But just his outside shade, maybe I'll post it on Twitter so people can see it, uh, kind of threw it off. So that, that's what I mean by two-to-one read. Uh, two, right. you you kind of want to shade, even maybe if you can, a little bit closer to two because uh, the easy throw for the quarterback to make is up the same. You want to make him throw that deep go route by one because you have more time to get to the ball, more air under the ball, so.
2: Well, I knew asking about that would get you going as far as just explaining things like because I know you love teaching that stuff. Yeah. So I knew asking about it would get you going. So obviously we got, we got to keep scooting because you got plenty of questions. But, you know, it's always good to just clue us all in on on, on crock Talk. But all right. So Bernard wants to know, why does it seem like the media hates the 49ers? Do you think it's because the Kaepernick situation still leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth, which leads directly back to the 49ers? No, not at all. Not even a little bit and I don't think anybody really hates the 49ers. I don't think that someone picking the chiefs over the 49ers means they hate them. Like the 49ers seem like a pretty likable team. They don't really have anybody on the team that really stands out as being a, you know, someone that's hated. I would have said Richard Sherman used to be like that, but you know, he's kind of mellowed out over his age and he's not, you know, up in Aaron, Aaron Andrews face, talking about how he's the greatest corner in the game anymore. So um even though he's still playing like so no i don't think kaepernick or any of that i don't think the media hates the 49ers even if they're picking against them i don't think the kaepernick situation has anything to do with anything anymore uh you know i'm not saying it's meaningless i'm just saying it, it just doesn't hold sway anymore so
3: no yeah not nah, not no, no. <laughs> all right i think they just love like uh patrick mahomes
2: <laughs> right it was just perfectly normal like the dude is is lovable he sounds just like me or if he doesn't sound like me he's at least part of like the kermit ish club you know and and so that's just who who couldn't love someone like that i mean seriously so tyler wants to know what are your thoughts on the 49ers taking the ball if they win the coin toss trying to score first establish the lead lean on the running game once yeah i think that's what they're going to do i mean you could Pick, you could come out on defense and try and make a statement early against somebody like Patrick Holmes, but uh, I, that's not something I would explore against an offense that you know. Kyle Shanahan can, knows Andy Reid's a phenomenal play caller. They know the Chiefs offense can score in two plays if they need to. So it's it's to me, if, if that were me, I would come out and I want the ball because this could be a shootout and it could that one position, getting the ball first, could mean the difference between winning and losing.
3: Yeah, um, I did see a stat recently that said, The last five Super Bowls, the team that won the toss lost the game, so Oh
2: no. Yeah, so I don't think you
3: want to win it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Zach wants to know do we see Jimmy Ward deployed a lot like he was against Tyreek and Hardman in the preseason game? Felt like the first half is much more relevant than the game last season. What do you think, Ben? It's on you. you. Can you read that again? Do you see Jimmy Ward deployed a lot like he was against Tyreek and Hardman in the preseason game? Feel like the first half is much more relevant than the game last. Like, the okay, so the first half of the game. Um, yeah, go yeah. for it, dude.
3: So I think Kaywon Williams was out um, of the game. So Ward had to play in the slot because that's our like backup nickel. Um, which we saw him do that against the Rams as well when Kawan Williams uh, went out of the game. So, But if the 49ers do lean more towards dime personnel, um, then yeah, I definitely can see him down there and them bringing in uh, Tarverius Moore as a sixth def- defensive back.
2: Okay, there we go. All right, so sorry, I was I was looking this up here. I'm really nervous about the Chiefs kick returner which i think is miko hardman isn't it yeah is that i, I think yeah. he's the guy they have returning kicks right now I and mean, he's just pure speed i mean I, I i wouldn't he's he's had some returns i know he's had at least one return this year so i mean that's worth worrying about but i mean the for the 49er special teams has been pretty good this year i i don't really think and that was from c allen um i don't really think you can worry about him but i think the 49er special teams will, will have it under wraps um,
3: right. I mean, the four nine special teams unit has been really good outside of, I think it was the Saints game.
2: Yep. And, yes, it was. Yep.
3: And uh, the Vikings, I think they had some good returns, I think.
2: So, David. No, excuse me. El Pico Grande. Sure. Did the defense actually play well against the Packers? It seemed to me on I <laughs> I just want to stop there almost. <laughs> it seemed to me on most snaps D-line was giving Rodgers all day and the secondary benefit from a ton of mistakes by the Packers. I'm worried a similar similar performance won't cut it against Chiefs. Uh no, they played really good. Um I I mean I don't, I just I went back and watched that game too. I didn't see anything like that. I mean they sacked Rodgers what four times or five times? Four times.
3: Yeah, they sacked him a few times and um, forced like two or three fumbles on
2: Rodgers. Right, the so, Packers. Well, one
3: was a bad snap, but they they for, they did force the other two.
2: And they might have, they might have benefited from some mistakes, but an intimidating defense forces those mistakes there, you know, if the defense was nothing to worry about, then those mistakes probably aren't getting made because it's just, everything isn't, isn't f- f- running at full steam and everything's not functioning smoothly. So I don't know any, anytime you can hold somebody like Aaron Rogers to what was it, 20 points, uh, then you're okay. And those were 20 points that were, you know, you, it wasn't that close. David, who has a surprise game? Witherspoon, Brita or Pettis? Uh, <laughs> those are three people that I don't think are going to play a lot. I don't think, I mean, Witherspoon may see the field on special teams, but they're probably going to ride with Emmanuel Mosley. Now, does Croc, you'll know better than I, Is Withers, could Witherspoon come in if it's like an empty backfield with three or four wide receivers? Or, or, or you know, is, is, there a, is, is there an offense that the Chiefs can come out in that would bring Witherspoon out?
3: Well, yeah. I, I mean, I just mentioned what I thought they would do. I, I thought they would bring in Tarveris more and just slide uh, Ward down into the slot because, you know, he can play in those. So you have kind of less moving spots, kind of, if that makes sense. Because I think the other option would be Will this come in for Mosley, Mosley slide inside. And yeah, no, no. But Ward is a cover, coverage guy, so any – Runs well with speed. He ran very well in the preseason with Hartman and Terry Hill. So, yeah, I think it's War is going to slide down. Mostly stay outside. Uh, more come in as that second safety.
2: But I don't, I don't think. I mean, there's there could be situations where Witherspoon sees the field. There could be Matt Breida could get a few touches. Uh, Dante Pettis might get a few snaps. But I, I don't think any uh, of them has a surprise game. And, and I don't think any of like. I would be just as surprised – I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them don't even play.
3: Well, well, no, but I think if you had, like, odds, like Vegas odds, and I think uh, uh, Pettis would have the lowest odds to play.
2: <laughs>
3: right. <laughs> he hasn't played a snap. Like, not even spell teams.
2: Right. So, there's – yeah. I mean, I'd probably say Breed is probably the highest there because, you know, with, with, with Tevin kind of hurting a little bit, he might actually get some touches. But there's – I don't think any of those guys are having a surprise game. Surprise game. So. All right, Landotti. <laughs> I want to hear you talk about the importance of the DNs maintaining the edge. I really feel Casey will try to exploit our aggressive pass rush by checking down and rolling Mahomes out of the pocket. And yes, absolutely. The 49ers are going to know that the way that they rush the quarterback, they need to try and, you know, think of, think of a horseshoe, you know, just squeezing down in size. That's kind of what they're going to want to do around Mahomes homes uh, because they don't want him to roll out the, 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 the problem with Mahomes is same problem they have with russell wilson the moment that guy starts rolling out and and looking downfield is when you've got a problem when he buys himself some time and he starts evading these pass rushers so they're going to want to rush pretty methodically as to, and you know as far as checking down goes you know that's that's on that's on the, the shorter coverage players the linebackers they're going to have to be the ones that get there but as far as pass rushing goes they're going to have to do it in a way that doesn't beg Patrick Mahomes to to get outside the pocket and start chucking it downfield, so, you
3: know. I think you want to get there with four, but one thing I have seen the 49ers do that might help contain him, I guess, you know, some stunts um, by the D-line, that'll kind of help. Uh, And then what they've done a lot, too, is bring, you know, I I heard a a stat, the 49ers on third down blitz 30% of the time.
2: So which is not a lot. No, I think it's a decent amount. I don't think so. you think 30% is a lot. I think that, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe you're right. Well, maybe I, don't, it's I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, you know, I'd have to look that up. Maybe it didn't sound like a lot, but maybe you're right. right.
3: But, but the guy that they bring. let one third of
2: the time on third down seems like a lot. Essentially. Right. Well,
3: they, they, they do bring uh one Williams um, off the edge and he, he forced a fumble on Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, he he definitely they they definitely will send him. So, uh,
2: Fred Warner's been really good too. Blitzen, man, that guy's oh, been yeah. a beast. All right, so Caleb, and, and we're we gotta we gotta keep moving just because I got, and and I'll say this now: all the questions I know we're gonna get to, we're gonna get to them all, but. And we're, we're about wrapped up with everybody that replied to my initial call for questions. And then we will jump into the what I'm going to label the, the questions of shame from people who ignored my tweet where I said, reply to the tweet below for your questions. And then they just replied to that tweet, so whatever, you know, I'm going to ridicule you guys later. But Caleb. Wants to know how do you put this whole season into perspective with the Niners being four and twelve a year ago to being a playoff hopefuls. Also, do you think this is a team that could stay at the top like the twenty eleven thirteen teams, or is this a peak of this team? Um, for the first question, uh, what was awesome about covering this team over the past two years since Kyle Shanahan has got here? I've been at every training camp he's had. You know, I've been at almost every single home game they've they've had under Kyle Shanahan. I would say that this team seemed like they were going to be this good. Even they were four and 12. Obviously you lose your starting quarterback. Things are going to go differently, but I always had a lot of faith that this team was going to be this good. They just, they seem to have the right mentality in the locker room. I've never once in the history of this team, even when they were losing so many games, have I heard anybody dime somebody out or even make a comment, you know, a negative comment towards someone else. They're just a very different team. And very, they're very close. And I even saw this when they were losing a lot. And obviously that gets you down and stuff, but it's just, you could tell in that locker room that this team was destined as long as everything kept kind of going their way or as long as things started going their way is a better way of saying that, um, to be good. And, and this, you know, although I didn't predict that they would get good, this good, this fast, um, I always thought that they would be this good. So the, the perspective there is that, um, the perspective is that, it, it it always seemed inevitable in a way, which is which is cool. And then I do think that this is a team that's gonna stay at the near the top just because their way of winning is so sustainable and it's always been proven in the NFL that, you know, a a very blended, a very equal blend of running and passing, and you have a play caller that's just unmatched in Kyle Shanahan, and there's th- you know, you have a quarterback that's locked up and and obviously they're gonna start getting backed up against the salary cap, but There's just a lot of guys that are going to remain with this team that are core pieces. And and I don't think they're going to have any problems staying good. What do you think, man?
3: I I think they, they have a nice structure and they have a plan and it seems like everything they've done was within the plan and they didn't really venture too far outside of that, um, outside of probably having to trade for uh, Emmanuel Sanders. So um, I like what they've done. I think they stick with it. I think they have smart people in charge and I think that is going to have, you know, their success. It doesn't seem like they've added people to just for the short term, right? It seems like everybody that they've been adding has been guys that they want to be a part of the process. So, um, now I, I definitely think that this is something that could be long term. It seems like the guys in charge have a clear vision of what they want to do. Um, and it wasn't something that was just randomly thrown together.
2: Right, that's a good way of uh, that's a good way of saying it. it this a, another way of 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 me saying that is none of this this season seemed like luck. You know, they seemed like they were working towards this, and it was always going to come around. Um. All right, so we got delay of rain. Okay, love the pod. Two questions. Thank you. Does the trade value of Mullins or CJ go up simply by virtue of them being a part of such a successful organization? Uh, no. I would say no, just because they're not out there throwing passes and proving that they are any more valuable than they were before the season. So, I mean, I, maybe some, maybe, maybe a little bit of value. There's always, you know, team, players that go into free agency off Super Bowl teams are always, you know, paid premiums and stuff. So maybe there's a little bit of value increase there, but nothing that I would say, like, you know, if Mullins, let's say the NFL was always going to offer a fifth rounder for Mullins, you know, now he's a third rounder or something. I don't, I don't think it's anything like that. So, um,
3: I think maybe Mullins because people do like him and there are people that think like he could do what Garoppolo is doing right now. So as long as they just think that there there is value and, and being on a team that is successful and he was, you know, part of it. And even when they were bad, you know, he had his moments where he played decent. I don't think he played as good as most people think he did, but um, he, he played, you know, well, and there's always that kind of unknown of what somebody might think they can do with them. So, you know his his stock might go up a little bit. I think he's a restricted free agent in the offseason,
2: right? Meaning the forty nine ers can control what people would have to give up to give him. So, and then his his second question was, "Do you know anyone who can unblock me from Niners Nation in the spirit of the Super Bowl love?" <laughs> uh, I'll do some asking and see why you were blocked in the first place, but that could have been a long time. Um, but I'll talk to uh, I'll talk to KP. See what I can do. All right, Chris. Which 49er and he's a, he's a huge fan of the pod. I always see in comments from Chris, Chris, which is awesome. Which 49er will the Chiefs underestimate the most? Which 49er will the Chiefs underestimate the most? Um, why don't you take this one, Croc? Go on either side of the ball, and I'll take I'll try and take someone from the other side. Jimmy
3: Garoppolo. He's been underestimated. That was
2: my that was my tweet. Uh, so the,
3: throughout the entire kind of process, I mean, he's just been kind of like shitted on. It's it's kind of ridiculous, but. Um, even with Chris Jones saying, yeah, we 100% want to put the game on Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulders. And it's like, I'm looking at it like, all right, go ahead. like <laughs> You know, okay. Make him throw the ball. He, he can beat you like that too. So it definitely has to be him. But I'd say outside of Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody that's a little bit underrated, I'd say probably. Uh, Richard Sherman, in the sense of people are kind of looking at him like, well, He's not fast, so he's going to struggle with his speed. And I think Richard Sherman is smart enough to kind of understand how he has to play, and he can still, you know, win. So I'd probably say him.
2: Well, and there's also that, there's also that, that. like I wouldn't call it a narrative. There's the, the idea, or maybe it's proven, that he struggles with smaller, shifty receivers. So, you know, maybe they're going to feel like they can go after him a bit, and we'll see if, if that works out. All right, so Eddie, since and Crock picked both sides of the ball, so I'm, I'm going to let him roll with that one, and besides, we, I want to make sure we get to our questions. Uh, Eddie, I just want to say that I'm extremely excited to see if the Niners employ a game plan similar to what the Vikings did to the Saints, where they put their best pass rushers on the interior and let them do damage against the weaker members of that line. Thoughts? Well, I haven't taken a look at the Chiefs' offensive line and who their weaker members are. Uh, I, You know, I'd have, to, I'd have to get in there and look, but, I mean, I know the 49ers have started to use stunts a lot, and it wouldn't it – and I know they've started to, you know, line Nick Bosa and D Ford up on the same side or, or stunt him toward the interior or line Nick Bosa up on the inside or, you know, all, all that stuff. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the 49ers just give Patrick Mahomes every look in the book. You know what I mean? There's it's the Super Bowl. There's no point in holding anything back now. So it would not surprise me if the, the 49ers go at Mahomes with some crazy looks. But, you know.
3: Yeah, I agree.
2: Uh, Cameron Marshall, tell me why Jimmy won't throw a cost pick I don't think he will, but convince me. Um, I think he can. and I, But, I don't, you know, if,
3: if he throws one, it, all right. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be as detrimental as a lot of people think. Before I just have an offense that continues to score. So, even if he throws one pick, I mean, most other drives, they, they, they score. You know, again, second-highest scoring offense in the league, and he's throwing picks in you know, there's only a few games where he didn't throw an interception. So, uh, I mean, look at the shootout in uh, New Orleans where a lot of people are like, oh, well, uh, they can't win if he throws an interception. Like, Okay, Drew Brees didn't throw any picks, and the 49ers still won the game, and Jimmy Garoppolo still had an amazing game. So, I don't think one interception that Jimmy Garoppolo is prone to throw would make a difference in the sense of, like, that being the reason why the 49ers lost. I think they'll. I think even, after, even if he throws an interception, they'll still have an opportunity to win the game.
2: Right, right. Yeah, and, that, and, that's, and that's about what I think. is, is if, if the 49ers choose to attack, attack the Chiefs through the air, because I'm assuming that the Chiefs are going to place a bulk of their preparation uh, against the run, uh, then maybe Jimmy G throws a pick. and it, that To me, then you're, you're talking about the same Jimmy G that has responded well to every single interception he's ever thrown. I know there's some stats out there that after he throws an interception or when the 49ers are down in points uh, is when he plays his best. So I don't think that's something you necessarily need to be afraid of. Um, And I'm watching this. My local news station just tweeted a video of a a lion at the Fresno Chaffee Zoo. They put out like two boxes with food, one with the 49ers logo and one with the Chiefs logo, and he picked the 49ers. So, you know, you heard it here first, folks. The 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl because this this line said so. Um, All right. Robert, will we see more Richie James on more than just special teams? James has shined when given the opportunity with Coleman's injury and breed allegedly in hot water and Shanahan over fumbles. I was going with Shanahan over fumbles. I was wondering if he thought he might get an opportunity for a bigger role. Uh, Well, I'm not really sure the backfield has anything to do with that, but I think that Shanahan's going to be pulling out all the stops, and it wouldn't surprise me if Richie James was involved in that in some way or another. I, you know, I, I don't know, you know, whether it's a trick play or just throwing him out there because they think they can take advantage of a matchup that that they've created and they've isolated him with. I mean, I could see it, but you would think he would have started to play more of a bigger role throughout the season. And I feel like the Forty Nineers is going to ride the the horse that got them there and Debo Samuel Emmanuel Sanders and Kendrick Bourne, but that doesn't mean that Richie James won't be in there for some plays. So what do you think, man? I know you're a big Richie James guy.
3: Yeah. I don't think you re- reinvent the wheel though. I think you do what you've been doing all year and what you're successful at and what guys, um, uh, you know, execute well. And he hasn't been a part of that, you know, I mean, to a certain extent he's been in, he, he's had a couple you know, big plays. He actually beat, was it brilliant in the preseason on a double move? um had a big gain early in the um early in that game in the preseason against the Chiefs. But as far as like him just having like a pivotal role in the game and I, I don't think the forty nine ers go too far away from what they do. I think you just execute everything you've been doing, just try to even do it to another level. I don't I don't think you do I don't think you see plays where it's like, hey, I haven't seen them run this play before. I think it's just they just might throw the kitchen sink in with everything that they do.
2: Right. Right. I I would agree with that. Now, Richie James has made some plays. I know he had that, he had that touchdown in the beginning of the year against uh, the bucks and he had that huge play uh, against the Cardinals when the 49ers were like getting beat like 16 to zero or whatever it was, you know, that kind of sparked the offense. So, you know, they, they, obviously they they have him included in the playbook, but I I just don't like, like we said, I think they're just going to kind of try to stick to what has gotten them there and the guys they feel are the most reliable. So, all right, we're going to welp. In your opinion, who has the edge in special teams? Makes me nervous that Gould has only hit from 50 plus once all season. Down 31-20 with 2 seconds left. How deep would the field goal have to be for Kyle to throw a Hail Mary? My guess would be 55 and below it's Gould, anything more Hail Mary. Um Gould started out the Gould started out the um I don't know why I call him Gould. G- Gould started out the season uh, a little rough, but he's been really really good over the course of the the latter part of the season and has had a, been a huge reason why the 49ers have been able to keep winning. So, uh, and, you know, and, and the chiefs kicker, I think that's Harrison Butker is his name. And, and he's really good. Um, but I, I just, I, I don't think either of them, I don't think the 49ers special teams or Robbie gold or, or, or any of that makes me nervous. I think that he's a guy that's used to kicking game winners and he's been clutch for the 49ers in the past. And he's really started to come on later in the season. So, I mean, it's not something that really worries me. It definitely could come down to that, though.
3: Yeah, I mean, just in in general, you know, we're talking about uh, special teams as a whole. I'd say they have a slight edge just because Migo Hartman has just been, you know, more explosive um, in the return game. Uh, You know, but the 49ers have an an outstanding punt coverage uh, unit. Outstanding. I mean, most of the year, they had some crazy stat where they had given up like Ten yard, ten return yards, and it was like more than halfway through the season. It was like some ridiculous stat. So, um, obviously, you know, with Uh, Wisnowski punting, the punt coverage with you know Mostert running down there, um, they've been extremely good. Uh, the kick coverage has been decent. Um, but I, uh, you know, and then even with the returns, I think uh, Richie James has done a good job doing what he's supposed to do. Um, he does his job very well. Gets what takes what he can get. Um, hasn't had too many explosive. Uh, returns did have one. I want to say was it last game? He had, or was it against the? Uh, no, it was against the uh, their Packers. He had a good one where he returned it to like almost midfield. But um, uh, outside that, I mean, but Miko Harmon he's just been more dangerous um, in kickoff returns and punt returns. So I'd have to give them the the edge um, just off of Miko Harmon. But you know, everyone else is probably a wash with kick coverage. Um, you know, kicking. Uh, you know, all those type of things. But yeah, Harmon man, he's you know he's dangerous back there. So. I just, you know, I give him the slight edge because of
2: him. All right. So we have Zach with a few questions here. Um, do you see, and this is kind of more a look ahead to the, to the, you know, the off season coming up. Do you see Dante Pettis being held onto going forward with Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd probably being available next season? Uh, what about the likelihood of re-signing Sanders? Um, I think the 49ers might try might hold on to Dante Pettis and they might try and trade him or something it just seems like he's fallen so far out of favor with the team that there's not a whole lot to salvage there but I'm not really sure Uh, Trent Taylor I'm not really sure what's going to happen with Trent Taylor we'll see Uh, you know that's a tough one because the guy's been the guy the 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 unfortunate thing for me is as I had the pleasure of watching his training camp this offseason and so did Crocker and he was freaking amazing he was so good and you know, for him to get hurt, and now he's had like five different surgeries on his foot. Uh, That's tough. So I, I really don't know what's going to happen to him. Uh, but Jalen Hurd is not going to be available. They just drafted him in the third round, and this is his rookie year. So I mean, being available, yeah, I don't, no, I don't think he's going to be available. I think the Forty ers are looking to, looking forward to seeing what they can get out of him because imagine throwing a, a six foot five, two hundred and thirty pound former running back wide receiver into this offense. You know, like. If if, if Jalen Hurd starts fighting his footing, then good luck, because that's that's a scary aspect of the way that Kyle Shanahan could throw him in there. As far as Re- Manuel Sanders goes, I think the likelihood of resigning him are pretty good. Uh, Sanders obviously loves it here; he's had nothing but great things to say. Um, you know, I, I think that he probably thinks that he maybe has two or three ye- years left of his career, and he and I wouldn't surprise me if he wanted to spend him with the Niners. But what do you think, man?
3: Yeah, I think they bring back every receiver that they have right now and don't make any drastic changes. Um, I think they like what they've gotten out of um, Debo Samuel, who looks to be a wide receiver one next year, you know, after having a very successful rookie year. Um, You know, you bring back Sanders to give you that vet presence and that consistency, and then you see what you have from the other guys. And I think, you know, as far as Dante Pettis goes, um, I think they give him a shot in training camp. I think they hold on to them until then. And if you don't like what you see, then you trade them and you probably don't get much, but maybe like a fifth or a sixth round pick. But um, but yeah, you just move on. And at the end of the day, you just have everybody else that comes back, you know, especially if they can get something done with Kendrick Bourne, who I think will be a restricted free agent. And, uh, I do think there might be something with Trent Taylor. Um, last we saw him, I think, celebrating the NFC championship game. He was like in a boot, in a, like a walking boot. So I mean, he, yeah, he, he's
2: had like five surgeries.
3: Yeah. It, and, and I think I saw something where he said he had like an announcement after the season. I, I don't quote me on that, but I think I saw something about that where he's going to kind of like talk about his foot. So if, you know, if it is something to where, you know, he's just kind of like done with, you know, being hurt, you know, he had a back injury, now a foot injury where he's had multiple surgeries, um, there could be an instance where you see him possibly retire. So, um, but even then, I mean, even without Trent Taylor, I think they like the group that they have. You know, it just would be nice to see if they can get more out of Pettis. But yeah, I think he has a shot. But I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded. But if he does, it wouldn't be until, um, like it would be like it would be like a, like a preseason trade, not 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 a draft trade.
2: Right. Right. I agree with that. Um. Yeah. Because I mean, they obviously have a huge they had a huge love for his talents and what he was capable of doing, but it just hasn't worked out and for for many reasons. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were willing to try and get him one more off season to, to seize him opportunity um, before they just kind of send him off. So, all right. So now we are on the, what I'm affectionately referring to and affectionately means with love. Um, I am referring to my questions of shame, which were, responded uh, I tweeted last call reply to my tweet below with 49ers questions and thoughts to be featured in tonight's Super Bowl mailbag on striking and gold and then people just replied to that tweet not the tweet below so attention to detail folks you're all on my questions of shame um, but like I said that's affectionate I appreciate you guys taking the time to ask a question and we're gonna hit them right now we we're already over an hour but I don't really care it's our last podcast before the Super Bowl so let's hit it um Magic John Any sign of Jarek McKinnon taking a massive pay cut to stay with this team next couple seasons so he can play in the Shanahan offense. I for one am still curious to see how he would do in it. Uh, Yes, absolutely. I think the 49ers are probably going to tell him that he needs to take a massive take pay cut. If he wants to stay with the team. Now that is even, I think, you know, them just straight up cutting him as an option. And that's kind of, you know, heartbreaking for the guy because two years, he never got to play for the team that gave him a pretty massive contract. But, I, there is zero chance the 49ers keep Jerick McKinnon on next year with his current salary, which is well above $5 million. I think it's closer to like 6 $7, 8000000 and I don't see them. They're not going to pay him that, and, and hopefully he's healthy and he's able to play and all the stuff works out for him where he gets a chance to show what he can do in this offense because despite the success that the 49ers have had, I know that Shanahan still believes Jerick McKinnon brings something else that the 49ers running backs don't bring. That guy is like a wide receiver in the backfield. He runs just as good of routes as any of these receivers. And he's a really, really talented player. That And that's the reason the 49ers paid him. So I know they're going to want to keep him around and give him a chance to, to kind of redeem himself. But there's no way it's going to be at his current contract.
3: Yeah, I mean, he can restructure it. The, the tough thing is, a, a lot of times you know, they have these like weird dates where you have to like release somebody by a certain time to save that money. Right. So if he's not like, somebody that wears like, he has to be cut before April 1st, we'll never see. him.
2: Right. And, and hopefully we get, they can, they can just work through it or, or however that works. I'm just not sure how much they can rework contracts or, or, you know, resign somebody to a different one. I'm not, I'm not sure. But, or how many, how significant the changes could be. Um, My biggest we got Jason says, my biggest pre-Super Bowl question is, why are the Chiefs acting so cocky? All that Frank Clark stuff has to be baffled, to be honest. Well, you're in the Super Bowl, so you have a right to be cocky. Uh, And that's just their personalities. You know, I I wouldn't, I haven't really heard anything too cocky except from Frank Clark. You know, and, and like I said, you have to be full of yourself going in the super bowl you have to believe in yourself you have to know you're going to win and and that's just the way it goes and and you know like i said i really haven't heard a whole lot to to really notice i mean uh tyreek hill was giving richard sherman massive praise just a little bit ago you know a couple days ago so it, it, it hasn't seemed too bad other than than frank clark and that's just kind of who he is and do a little bit of internet searching to find out the kind of person he might actually be you know and, and you'll see um. why kind of that lines up Clark. So, do you see? Have you seen any cocky chiefs?
3: Yeah, I think he guaranteed a win. So we'll see. I, I I definitely screenshot it. So
2: right, right, <laughs> Clark. <laughs> All right. So we'll see. We'll see. Do one on three putts. asks Do you think Kevin Givens will be activated to replace Earl Mitchell since they'll need more pass rush snaps? Uh, probably not. Just because Kevin Givens, if they would have wanted him, to, you know, in in the lineup, they probably would have already done it. But you are right in the fact that they've, you know, I guarantee you, their primary game plan over the over the playoffs has been to stop the run, and that's probably more Earl, Mitchell, Earl Mitchell's wheelhouse than it is Kevin Givens. But I, I mean, that would be surprising to me because he just hasn't been playing.
3: Yeah, no, nah, I, 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 yeah, no, it's Earl Earl Mitchell. He'll be playing.
2: Right. Uh, Total Niners says Kelsey is the biggest slowest target on the Chiefs. Sherman is the biggest slowest DB on the Niners. <laughs> any chance? Still surprised by having Sherm in charge of shutting down Kelsey and let the other DBs and linebackers ignore him for the most part and focus on the other guys? Uh, no, I don't think there's any chance of that. I guess there's a small chance, but I, you just don't you just don't change things that drastically going into the Super Bowl when your defense has already performed at an elite level. Like, yes, they need to 100% worry about Travis Kelsey on every single snap, but I don't think, you know, Sherman just got done defending himself on why he doesn't follow a, a receiver, you know, and I, and it, that would be a huge surprise to me if he just followed Kelsey around. That would be crazy. Um, but, you know, Crock, can you talk on this? You'll, you'll be a bit more base than I am.
3: No, I mean, yeah, no, similar. I mean, I, I used to think earlier – this year, I, you know, I would overthink it and be like, oh, well, Sherman should guard this guy and going to guard this guy and Williams and, this, and Ward and they just played their defense and they dominated. So now I try not to overthink it. I'll see if they make any little, you know, changes to what they're doing. But for the most part this year, they've lined up, they played their defense and they've done well.
2: Right. And that's, like we said, you ride the horse that got you there. Um. Bolo wants to know any stories from the week that surprised you. I thought Lombardi's profiles on Sherman and Kittle were ridiculously good. Props to the props to the beat reporters. Yes, absolutely. Props to the beat reporters. Uh, I really wish I could uh, be there with him doing the doing the Super Bowl thing. But uh, KP, uh, who is the editor at Niners Nation, he runs the site. He's there and he's been putting out great stuff. And he's I've been reposting his videos all week that he's been. And you know he had a great video today of just walking with Frank Gore, and Frank Gore's like, "We gonna win." and you know it's it's just awesome to see Frank Gore talk like that about the Niners but the the one about Sherman did surprise me a little bit. I didn't realize his animosity towards Jim Harbaugh ran so deep and the two had such kind of I knew that they were you know he was his coach and stuff like that but I you know the fact that Sherman said he wanted to run Harbaugh out of the league and once he did that he would no longer harbor ill will towards the Forty 49ers like that's awesome like that's crazy. You know not, you know obviously we didn't enjoy it at the time but that is you know, those, those are just great quotes and, you know, props to Sherman for just being honest, which he's never had a problem doing. But what about you, Croc? Anything about the week stand out? That Just anything about this week that surprised you?
3: Um, I just saw a video of the 49ers receivers dancing, so I guess just how loose they are, which I shouldn't be surprised by. The dance practice? No, you
2: should not. Um, not if you've been to a game. You've been on their sidelines. You know what they do. Yeah. Or I guess no, they never let you on the sidelines, which is a travesty, but you've been there. You've seen pregame warmups. You know how they are.
3: Yeah, now nah, they yeah they they're a good group and they're loose. I mean, I I want them to be loose, like be loose. Don't be tense. Like do what what got you here, right? Um, if that's how they focus and that's how they get up and that's how they prepare, like do do your dancing and all that. But you know, it was just like, man, it's the biggest game of their lives, and they're still loose. And I think that's that's something good to see.
2: It is, it is because and it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like this team has been what it is since before they became this good which goes back to that Bill Walsh thing about champions behaving like champions before they win at all and you know that's this team has been how they are even when they were you know 4 and 12 last year so that's that's always good to see and it's just fun to watch too um Shano wants to know did you hear any of the off-field shenanigans from either team this week no not that I not that I can recall nothing in a negative sense obviously but you what about you Kroc any off-field field shenanigans
3: um, nah, I think they're probably. I mean, you remember back to our childhood, What was it like Darren Sharper or who, who was it that got arrested for um buying prostitutes and stuff? So, um, yeah, it, it was when we were younger, man. Who was it? I know it was a Packer player, I think it was Sharper. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, nothing coming out like that this week. I think a couple of years ago, a matter of fact, the 49ers, I mean, not 49ers, but the, the game that was played at Levi Stadium someone got into some trouble with the law. So there hasn't been anything crazy like that.
2: Yeah. No, I, I haven't heard of anything either. So, all right. So quest for a six pack, <laughs> Rob, where does the D rank and chunk plays given up in the league? Do you think the saints game was an anomaly based on all the points scored by the saints and why were they so successful that day? So I'm going to have Croc tell you why they were so successful, but as far as chunk plays goes, I actually looked this up uh, through the air, which is what the 49ers is going to be worried about. The 49ers are one of the absolute best teams in the NFL in the air in giving up explosive plays and now I should have looked up what their definition of explosive plays are probably 40-
3: 20 yards or more
2: okay and and the 49ers have only given up like two all season I I need to go back and figure out what side I was looking at because I should okay sharp football stats all right and they were the 49ers defense was was like the best team or tied for the best team um in the NFL at, at giving up giving up explosive pass plays. So, and I think they were tied with the, or one play behind the Buffalo Bills. So, they've been really good as far as what the Chiefs do well, not necessarily from a schematic standpoint, but from, you know, a, a allowing standpoint, which obviously blends into schematic, but the the 49ers have been good at defending. So, Um, is there a a quick, and obviously we got to be a little quick of this, but was there a quick explanation as to why the saints were so successful against the 49ers card? Um, I
3: think maybe. I I didn't think it was anything specific that the saints did. I think, you know, uh, guys being in positions that they typically weren't used to being in and against the, the saints. So Marcel Harris was out there. Um, you know, you had young linebacker uh, Greenlaw who had played for a few weeks, but even then, you know, kind of going up against a team that might scheme against you a little more and just give you some things that you haven't seen. Um, I think that was the, maybe the biggest difference in, in, in that game where we saw some uh, uh, chunk, chunk plays.
2: All right. So James wanted to know who's co- who scores first and when? And that's just a general question. So um, I – you know, I think he wants to know do you do you think the Chiefs or the 49ers score first and when? What do you think? What's your answer?
3: Um, I I'd say 49ers score first in, in the first quarter. Uh the the Chiefs obviously they, they they can definitely score. Um and they can score on bunches and they can score a lot of points. But it does seem like the last few games and they've kind of started slow. So just all was strength to that. Maybe it's just, you know, it's just something that just recently happened, but they started slow. So i say, if anything, you know, the 49ers, you know, you just kind of go off what's been happening. The 49ers have scored early, and often Chiefs have started uh, slower then scored a ton of points, so I'm going to give that nod to the 49ers.
2: Yep, I'm going with that. I agree. Sorry about the sniff. I'm, like, on the verge of sneezing, and I couldn't get to the the mute button in time, so my bad, guys. Um, Ian, for Crocky. so this one's for you, bro. I'm not going to touch it. Which member in the secondary is the most critical for a W, and are you nervous about anyone? Go.
3: Hmm? No, I'm not. I'm not nervous. I mean, I guess if one guy was critical, it'd be, you know, your single high guy, making sure that he's playing sideline to sideline so you don't get beat over top. But um, again, the 49ers have played their defense and they've played it well all year. Like, like, you know, you just said, Rob, you know, they've given up time for the, you know, league lead and uh, fewest explosive plays. So. Yeah, no, I'm not. It's not something that really worries me.
2: Okay, there's the the Crocker endorsement. All right, KP, uh, not the KP I write for. Who do we resign, and who walks after the off season? Man, I'm not sure. Uh, That's a that's a loaded question. I'd have to look at all the 49ers free agents and who gets walked. If there's one person, I think the 49ers are going to make an honest effort to re-sign. That's Eric Armstead, and he's gonna. If the 49ers don't re-sign him, it's because another team just offers him crazy bank. Now the 49ers could franchise tag him, but I think they'd rather work out a a, a bigger deal. You know, a a deal that keeps him around for a few years, Um, just because he's been so good. And the last thing I would want to do with this defensive line is let somebody leave. Just because they've all played so well together. So if there was one person, I think they that that a lot of people expect to hit free agency, I think they're going to make a really strong effort to re-sign him. But is there is there somebody else that stands out in your mind, Kroc?
3: No, I mean that's the that's the oh biggest name. I mean aside from him, uh, you know Emmanuel Sanders, um, I definitely would like to see Kendrick Bourne back.
2: Yeah, for um, sure. Nick
3: Mullins, Nick Mullins, that's a big one. That you know, I mean obviously you know restricted free agent. Him and Kendrick Bourne. But uh, that's somebody definitely that it would be nice to to, to have back.
2: Okay, so Ian wants to uh, – this is the same one that asked the, the question for you. Um, offensive and defensive MVP. So, I mean, I guess this could be whether they win or lose, but for defensive MVP, I'm going to go with – I'm just going to stick with my guy DeForest Buckner. Uh, I think, the you know, maybe – with the, the edges probably getting a lot of focus from the Chiefs, maybe uh, maybe Defoe goes off in there in the center. Um, and then offensive MVP, um, I'm going to go Jimmy G, just because, like we said earlier, people keep acting like he's never thrown a football before. And I usually don't buy into like, crazy narratives like that. I usually kind of ignore them. But people have legit been acting like Jimmy Garoppolo is incapable of, of throwing a football or, or scoring a touchdown or whatever you want to say. it. So that's who I'm going to go with. What are, your, what are your two picks, man?
3: On the defensive side, you know, it's always it always seems like it's just somebody like super random. So my super random person would be Dre Greenlaw.
2: I like it. And
3: On the offensive side, yeah, Jimmy G.
2: Okay. Or
3: you know know what? I'll go again. I'll I'll pick somebody else. I'll say Raheem Mostert.
2: Yeah, that would be and that would be awesome. That'd be such a huge cap off on an amazing season for Raheem, who's been on six different teams. Ah,
3: no, hold on. I'm gonna change that. (laughs) Okay. I, I had some time to di- digest it and th- rethink it.
2: Okay.
3: go with Debo Samuel, the rookie. There we go. Just um, because he, he can get into the end zone different ways, whether it's uh, running the ball in, passing the ball. I don't really care for the Chiefs' outside cornerbacks, um, even though I think I did hear a stat that they give up like some of the fewest uh, fantasy points. So I I don't think they're to receivers or something like that. But um, yeah, Debo, man. I mean, he can he can run the ball in. He can catch the ball. He can end up having a hundred. And I mean, look at the 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 Seahawks game. He had over a hundred yards receiving. Had another you know thirty yard touchdown run. So if he does something like that and also has a you know a touchdown catch in there, I, I don't see why you know he couldn't be offensive MVP.
2: Okay. I love it. All right. Sierra says Juice scores a touchdown, Sanders goes off go- goes off. Okay. I appreciate you, Sierra. I'm I'm with you. I would love to see Juice score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. That'd be freaking awesome. Um, Ian. And this one's for you, Croc. Not, not specifically, but I think it's just This is Ian's third question, so don't spend too long on it. But we love you, Ian. Thanks for thanks for, for popping in here, man. Uh, how can we keep Honey Badger at bay?
3: Um, I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to say, uh, I mean, he, Well, we, we, I mean, if, if they're going to put him on George Kittle, that could get we, interesting. We cause... we like
3: to throw, you know, be t- between the hashes. And he plays a lot between the hashes. So it's kind of like, are we just going to like just start throwing outside of the hashes. All of a sudden, like I said, you got to, you know, you got to do what you've done to get here. So, yeah.
2: T-Rone, right. why is Jimmy G unproven but individuals in the league for two years or less are proven in the eyes of some sport, journalists, personalities? Uh, it's just a matter of, of one, clicks, you know, the, the headlines that draw the eyes, and two, it's always the flavor of the week. You know, if Mahomes is playing like he's been playing the last two years, then he should be given a lot of respect. And, and Jimmy G is still like, you know, the guy that was behind Tom Brady, the guy that the 49ers paid a lot of money after five games, you know, the guy that's thrown, you know, 12 picks or whatever it was this season even though you, you should go back and look at those because they certainly weren't all on him it, there's there's just every little little Jimmy G just gets ridiculed beyond belief as far as and you know overreaction to games and people that can can tell just look at the box score and and make their thing so I mean I can't I can't tell you why he's he's unproven in the eyes of everybody he's just led the 49ers to the Super Bowl you know, and, and he was a big part of them winning it. Just because he wasn't a big part of it during the playoff games doesn't mean anything to me. So it, it's, I don't know, man. I don't know. We've talked about that a lot. So I, I still don't know. Um, Foe 9, 49ers defense over under three sacks. Does Jimmy Ward get his first interception of the season? Um, Three sacks, I'm going with over. And does Jimmy Ward get his first interception of the season? I'm going with no. What do you think, Crutton?
3: I agree with both.
2: Okay. We're good. Craig, who on the 49ers do you think scores the first touchdown? I think it could be Debo. That's a good guess. I think Crocker would probably agree with you. I would go with Raheem Mostert. I think he scores the first touchdown. What do you think, Crocker?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Debo
2: as well. Cool. Probably some end around where he just takes it and makes it look easy. Um, Alex Tran, favorite play of the season. I could probably one up myself on this, but I'm going George Kittle, George Kittle fourth down against the saints. Uh, dude, just put the team on his back and turned a five yard gain into a 40 yard gain. Got the team in field goal position to win with three dudes on his back while being face masked. Like you don't get any more football than that ever.
3: This was favorite play. Yep. Um, maybe in a Debo fan, I really liked the end around against Seattle. Um, just the whole execution of it, all the blocks, that Ben Garland getting out in front, Emmanuel Sanders out there, uh, check taking out two guys, uh, Debo spinning to stay in bounds and run to the end zone, like, and to do that in Seattle, like, that was probably my favorite play. Like, just the whole execution. Like, if you haven't watched, like, just, like, just go watch the play and look at everything that made that play go. It was pretty – it was beautiful.
2: Yep, I do agree. The spin move was beautiful, too um all right marcos where are we celebrating the victory i will get back to that question on <laughs> on next tuesday what, you you got anything for that one croc uh no nothing yeah we we can't we can't go there yet all right Bryant. at what point will america realize how good jimmy g is because it's coming uh if if they're gonna realize it if they and they haven't realized it yet if he has a good game they'll realize it on sunday i mean mm-hmm. i don't you know we'll see
3: and even it, just it can't be like that, It can't be an average game. He he has to do something that where it's kind of undeniable, kind of like what he did against the Saints. If it's not like that for whatever reason, um, and the 49ers defense plays extremely well, they'll give all the credit to the defense. So,
2: right, right. It's it's gonna if you're talking about truly converting people from doubters to the convinced then it would have to be a game where the defense falters, the run game is getting kind of stuffed and it's just all on Jimmy to light the chiefs up and the 49ers win it, you know, or even if they lose a close one, it would have to be, like you said, one of those games where it was clearly Jimmy G that kept a minute or gave him a chance or what have you. Um, but you know, I, it's, it's tough. You would, you would just think that if they have, don't realize it already, I don't know, they'll probably find a way to convince themselves that it's, it's still what they think it is. So, um, that is it. That is all of our questions. And an hour and 25 minutes later, y'all better show us some love with this podcast because we've been on here for an hour and a half making sure we got to every one of your questions. But with that being said, I really, really, really appreciate you guys coming through in the clutch and asking so many questions and showing the Strike and gold podcast so much love um, on, on a, sh- not, I wouldn't say it's short notice, but just, you know, to come through like that, that's, I really appreciate it. And, you know, it's before you know if just a few days before the super bowl it just seems like a good time to encapsulate just kind of how grateful i am to be doing this um i love i love my my partner in crime crocker i love the fact that we get to do this and i feel like we've kind of slowly built something up that you know like a year ago was completely random you know that, that crocker just called me one time or <laughs> texted me one time while i'm at work and was like hey I, I need to call you can i call you and uh and here we are so i appreciate all you guys listening um and the next time that we talk to you, it will be probably I assume on Tuesday after the Super Bowl. Maybe on Monday. Maybe Kevin will let us do a special like one day earlier episode because we want to get to you fresh. Or shoot, maybe even Sunday night. I don't know. We're getting crazy. But um, what do you think, Crock? Leave us leave us just some some closing closing thoughts before I sign it out. Before I sign us out.
3: Um, I, I'll say this, man. It's been a great ride. Um, uh, just to get to this point. The you know it's new to all of us as far as with this new you know regime um i think the 49ers fans have been great all year uh levi stadium was rocking had a great atmosphere uh the 49ers i believe have been the best team throughout this season and you know they have one more game to to, to prove it and i have all the confidence in the world that the 49ers will pull it out now it's not a gimme and i know sometimes on this uh, on this show, we might sound like homers. Um, I just think that the 49ers are really good, man. They, and it was them, man. They, they played extremely well throughout the season and they made it hard. I remember one time we asked like, Hey, when the 49ers lose, like, what does it look like? You know, what, what's it going to look like? What, what's going to be the reason why? Um, but you know, we're here now when 13 and three, you know, 15 and three, when you include the playoffs, uh, Enjoy, enjoy this moment, man. It's, it's not thing. This doesn't this doesn't happen often. I've said it before. My brothers, a Dallas Cowboy fan. They haven't been to an NFC Championship game since '96 or '95 season, let alone the Super Bowl. So um, enjoy it, man. Have fun. Have fun with your people and, and enjoy the game, man.
2: That's well said, my friend. That's well said. And I'm I'm not gonna add anything to that because I couldn't have couldn't have said it any better myself. The only thing I will say is thank you very much for sticking with us all this time. Thank you for all the positive feedback. Thank you for just, you know, making the podcast what it is. Uh, I know that Kevin uh, Jones, the CEO of Blue Wire, who kind of started this podcast and then converted it to Striking Gold, uh, told us that I think the viewership or they're not viewership, listenership, whatever you call it, um, has like tripled since Crocker and I came on board. And that just, to me, is just something I appreciate so much, the fact that you guys have shown us support and love. And and the next time we come at you, it'll be after the 49ers have won one and lost the Super Bowl. And I can guarantee you we're still going to have the same amount of love for this team as we do right now. So um, like Crocker said, have fun. Enjoy it. Super Bowl doesn't come around very often and uh, just appreciate the fact that this team you know what this team has gone through since since Harbaugh was taking us taking the the team this far into uh, into the postseason so enjoy it Um, one more time thank you very much for being here thank you for listening for an hour and a half to us go back and forth thank you for all the questions i appreciate you uh, best of luck to all you fans out there who are just rooting for the niners and i and i hope this weekend ends well for you and we will come at you early next week and give us our reactions either way so that's uh you know for one more episode and the last episode before the super bowl this is uh striking gold signing out